Many of you probably don't know this, but every year across the world, there, this Sunday today is actually a very special Sunday. And it's called Orphan Sunday. And it's a week where churches all around the world take one week to reflect on God's heart for the orphan. For me personally, I don't know anyone in my life who feels more of the burden of God's heart for the orphan than a dear, dear friend of ours who moved out here 11 years with us to actually help start K2 the church. And uh, her name is Amy King. Would you welcome Amy up to the stage here real quick? So uh, Amy, man, a few years ago, um, left us and went to Texas and spent two years being trained on adoption ministry. And now has come back to Salt Lake City and we're so glad and starting what she's calling For the Orphan Network. And uh, just really a great opportunity for churches to gather her heart. So Amy's gonna be joining us today and kick us off. Cool, awesome. Well, thanks um, for having me here. I guess it's my home, so it <laughs> sounds kind of weird. But yeah, like Dave said, um, Today is National Orphan Sunday, and um, just to give you a little background, it started um, in early 2000s in a little teeny tiny church in Zambia, Africa, um, a little town that was absolutely ravished by AIDS, poverty. Um, the people in the church had absolutely nothing, but they wanted to do something to care for the orphans that were in their community. And so there was an American visiting this day, and he watched as people in the church brought forward their change that they had. They brought for food, um, shoes, anything that they had. And the guy came back and, and, and shared what he, he saw. And so in 2003, it turned into Orphan Sunday here in the United States. And I think we have a map today. Um, that's the US where the big, huge <laughs> conglomerate. There's over 700 churches that today, right now, at this very minute, um, are doing something at their church to bring awareness to the orphan crisis. And then nationally, it's, it's not even all on here, but I just talked to the national coordinator yesterday and she actually said that there are 70, 78 countries that are celebrating today. At least one church in 78 different countries are doing something today. Um, and so here at K2, we have so many people who are involved, have adopted, have done foster care, have gone over to Swazi, have mentored so many different things, and we could tell all their stories are so worthy of telling, and we could be here all day. But just to start the service, we wanna share a story with you of um, some K2 family here um, and how caring for the orphan um, has looked like in their family. So go ahead and take a look at this. We always talked about having four children, so. Yeah, six was never it really was never discussed in the conversation. <laughs> never. I'm Kara, and this is my husband Mitch, and we're the Mennings. We have uh, six kids, ranging from age two five-year-olds up to 13. We've been married for 19 years. Our oldest children were three, six, and eight. Fall of 2009, changed the nursery into a playroom. We were done, exhausted. And then January 2010 rolls around, and Dave Nelson has a message. Yeah, we blame Dave Nelson. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave, Dave was preaching on setting aside your own plans and following God. And uh, just I remember sitting there during the message, and um, never had really happened to me before, but just having this overwhelming feeling that. Um, God was saying, you need to adopt, and you need to adopt now. And even though we had, um, you know, felt like we were done and got rid of all our baby stuff, I think still we thought maybe when our kids are older, we'll adopt or do foster care. So just, just sitting there during that message, and I didn't really remember anything else specifically, but just this overwhelming feeling of God speaking to me is what I thought. Um, so I went home and just kind of said to Mitch, so did anything hit you during the service today? Just kind of expecting he would, you know, have something similar. But uh, no, it was <laughs> not that. Actually, it was something completely different. Uh, having to do with church, but uh, no, it wasn't adoption. And I said, no, are you crazy? We just turned the nursery into a playroom. We're exhausted. We have no money. But if that's what God wants for us, then we'll do it. And then the next week, there were about five things that happened that just all pointed us in that direction. 
The next day, my dad calls Kara and says, hey, do you know of anybody that wants to adopt? I've just talked to somebody who's affiliated with this agency and there are a number of children that they don't have placement for, uh, babies that aren't born yet. And Kara was thinking for sure I had talked to them and I, I hadn't because <laughs> normally I, I probably would. Yeah, she was <laughs> mad that I right away went and talked to my parents. Uh, and then there were a few other things that week and to me it culminated the week after as we were sitting uh, in the Costco food court <laughs> with our three children and I said, or we, we decided we were going to talk to them about that and, and we hadn't really been talking about this with them and I said, hey guys, we want to talk to you about something really important that could change our lives and Isaiah, our oldest one, said, I think I know what it is, it starts with an A and a D and an O and I think we were supposed to adopt and this eight-year-old was speaking that truth basically that point you went, okay, whatever you want that. Um, so January is when we started all of our paperwork, and then Asher, our son, was born May 30 of the same year. So it was really fast, a big roller coaster of paperwork and putting together a profile and having birth mothers review um, our profile, and then had one situation that ended up not working out um, where a birth mother chose us. Which was brutal. It was tough, yeah. But three weeks later, we we met Asher 45 minutes after he was born, right here yeah. in town. And uh, uh, he's our son. So Kara was looking at profiles of, of children and really honestly praying for a number of kids specifically, feeling like I was leading us to pray for those, those children. And so it was the 4th of July, 2011, and Kara said, hey, there's this girl I found on this website called Reese's Rainbow, and, and I'm really feeling like this could be the girl. In fact, I've already contacted them, <laughs> and, and I'm the going, oh no. Uh, <laughs> but there were some finances listed on there, went, oh, okay, maybe that'll work. And she said, I think she's in Barbados, I don't know where she is. <laughs> And uh, so she, they, the people responded on the 4th of July, 2011. The adoption the, the, Well, the, the website did, and they gave us two names, the name of the agency and the name of the place where the baby, uh, the care center where, where the girl was. And uh, she got all excited. I was in the back room, and she said, it's this place called Children of the Promise based out of, out of Haiti. And um, it was started by a couple from a little town in Minnesota that uh, the last name was Bunama, and uh, of, the, of the couple that started it. And, and my grandmother grew up in that little town and her last name was Bunama. And, and so we thought, wow, this is incredible. And, and so- <laughs> I thought, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> this is okay, what I'm looking God, for. This is, what, this is the way you work. <laughs> so it wasn't Barbados, it was actually Haiti. And so uh, we called my parents right away and they helped us out uh, with some short-term financing and uh, they were fully on board uh, and they were a big part of our life as far as caring for the kids and, and they said, go for it. Uh, and my mom called me a couple hours later and she said, hey, Kirk Vanderpaul, he's my best friend growing up. who's the only non-family member who stood up in our wedding. Uh, she said, he and his wife just went to an orphanage in, in Haiti with their sons and they're from that little town in Minnesota also. And I wonder if it's the same place. And so I texted Kirk, I said, what do you know about an orphanage started by, in Haiti, started by Bud and Jay and Bonema? He said, call me, we just got back from there six days ago. So, so we called them, I explained the story. I said, I know there are 47 kids at this, at this orphanage. Uh, do you know this girl? And he said, get Kara on the phone. I'm gonna get my wife on the phone. So. He said, tell the story again. I told the story again. It kind of got awkward. And we said, wait, are, are you thinking about adopting her? And he said, yeah, that's who we're thinking about adopting. <laughs> and they were never thinking about adopting before. And so what 160 million orphans in the world and God brings two best friends to the same exact girl uh, within a week. And uh, it just shows us how much he loves um, kids who, who have needs like that and so 
uh, we suggested arm wrestling to decide who, (laughs) but they had been there for a month uh, and we were ready to roll quickly on it. And and so they, uh, the next day he called us and said, hey, uh, if if you guys are okay, we'd like to pursue adopting her. But he said, there are other kids at that place. Why don't you, why don't we both start this process um, of adopting from that same care center? And so we did. And uh, uh, a couple months later, they contacted us and said, hey, uh, would you be open to actually uh, two children? <laughs> and, and of course, four was a stretch, five was a big stretch, six was ridiculous. And uh, of course, yeah, we took about a day to pray about it and decided to embrace the crazy. And uh, yeah, that's where Cindy and Lou came in. Here at K2, we have this little tag phrase. We call it K2 the Church, an adventure with God. And one of the things we just realized is when you really link your heart with the heart of God, he's crazy, man. And he will take you on journeys you never thought you would ever go on. And Mitch and Kara have been on a great adventure with God. And three kids now are at home because of God's move in their heart. So I guess if I have a goal today from this message, it's that you would blame me for something (laughs) when we're done. In fact, somebody after the first service said, damn, it!" Well, how cool would it be if God would move in our hearts this morning? So here's, why are we here? We we gather regularly every week here because we really wanna know him. If there's a God, then we wanna know him. And we wanna know who he really is. Jesus said, if we actually get to know the one true God, who God really is, once you know him, you receive eternal life. You actually have life inside your very soul. So let's just pray, and let's ask God to reveal who he is to us today and what life might look like for us. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing yourself through Jesus Christ. Thank you for revealing yourself through your word. Thanks, we just worship you this morning. We really do, we gather together this morning because we believe in you, that you are continuing to reveal who you are. So God, this morning, we wanna know you. We wanna understand what's true about you. We wanna understand what's true about ourselves. And we wanna live, God, we wanna have life to the full. So I know you're you're, you're incredibly gracious, unbelievably compassionate, out of your wonderful love for each person who's joined us this morning. Would you just come now and make your word alive to our own hearts? And we ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. So you guys, um, the Menning story is really just a microcosm of the greater story. Their story of adoption is is a one picture of the big story that's going on in the world. And so when we take a look at the statistics and we talk about adoption, when you look at the statistics for for those children who actually are in foster care, it's pretty alarming. Unbelievable, the percentage of kids who are involved in sex trafficking, how many of them, Amy gave the stat and I looked it up as well, 70% in Florida, 70% of the kids who are involved in sex trafficking are in foster care. The use of drugs and alcohol, crime, just elevates when kids grow up without a home. So as I was meditating on that this this week and preparing for this message, this is what hit me, is that if you are an orphan, you really can't be sure of anything. You can't be sure of where you will live, and if you do get into a home, you can't be sure of how long you'll be there. You have no idea what the circumstances are gonna be like. Are the people who are there actually really gonna care for you and love you or not? 
Sometimes it's actually a really negative situation. So you can't be sure of this. And so, so then, as I kept thinking about this, I'm like, oh my goodness, how could you be sure that you're loved? The deep-seated core of every human being's need is to know that you're loved. But if you were an orphan and you're shipped here and there and not wanted here and there for a little bit and moved around, how can you know for sure I matter? And then I kept going a little bit deeper and I thought, actually, if you boil it all down, how could you even be sure of who you are? How can you know your identity? See, because like in our home with my, our three kids, Mariah and Ashlyn and Caleb, I am, we are affirming every day, right? You are my daughter. You are my son. You are a Nelson. You belong here and you're loved. That's what a family is for. God designed the institution of a family to be a place to, to supply security and assurance. Your identity, every one of us in this room, our identity is based on the people that we've interacted with, and the family's huge. So when you think about all of those situations, and then you look at the consequences of the life that many kids who are in foster care who are orphans struggle with, you can see why. So in the Bible, the Bible uses this term darkness and light all the time. Well, when you aren't sure of something, if you're in complete darkness, you're not sure, right? That's part of what it means to be in the dark. I don't know what's in here. And, and, and so the Bible claims that there's a, a life that can be lived in darkness, but then there's also one of light. And so the greater story is that every human lives with so much that's uncertain. The truth is, you guys, all of us in this room, as a human being, struggle to be sure that we're loved. This is part of our dilemma. And so we perform and we try to do a lot of things to show that we're worthy of love. It's the same thing with our identity. Like, who are you really? Are you absolutely secure in who you are as a person? Or is your identity wrapped up in how successful you are or how beautiful you are or how funny you are? Because when you do those things, you're actually valued. See, this is the greater story that God is trying to intervene into. So Ephesians 5.8 says, you were once darkness. You were once really unsure. You once were searching for your identity, searching to know that you were of intrinsic value. And then in the darkness, we end up searching for all these things and medicating our pain and trying to take care of our wounds inside and life gets really messy. So he says, once you were darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, live as children of light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 5 says, you are all children of the light. And now he's, what he's now, now, let me just say again, because I've said this a lot. Um, when he's saying you are all children, he's talking to those who have become children of God. And we're gonna get to this in just a second. You're all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. God's desire for every one of you in this room, for me, is that we would not belong to the darkness. That we would not be caught up in not understanding who we are, what life is all about, and left to searches that ultimately lead to destruction. Now the question is, why are we not in the darkness anymore? You know what the Bible says? Because you have been adopted. You have been adopted. God uses the very terminology of adoption to help us understand the bigger picture of his reality. Look at this, Ephesians 1 is where we're at today. Again, you can always go to our K2 app. All the scripture is right there for you today. Um, or grab your phone, look up this. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing. How's that sound? See, I'm telling you, so here's God saying, I want to bless you with every spiritual blessing. I, even just yesterday, family day for us, as a dad, I so want to bless my kids with everything I can. You get the sense of blessing already. 
Here we go, verse four. For God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. Go back to our time series. Before time even began, God had chosen us in Christ to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. I'm telling you, man, Ephesians 1, it's, it's, it's so deep, it's so rich. When Paul writes this, he says, I just want you guys to understand how awesome God is and everything he's done for you. So let's take this theme of adoption. There's three things we're gonna look at. The first one is this. The bigger story of your reality is that God, as a father, wants to adopt you. <laughs> or he has adopted you if you're a Christian. Look at this. And these themes are so similar. For he chose us. Isn't that one of the beautiful things about adoption? <laughs> is when a child is adopted, the reason they're adopted is because somebody said, I want you. Isn't that Mitch and Kara's story? <laughs> this beautiful look. We want that child. And so God says, I chose you. In verse five, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Look at this. In accordance with his pleasure and his will. So if you're sitting here today and if you're wondering if God even cares about you, it is his will to choose you. And it is what? Out of his pleasure. God's greatest pleasure would be to adopt you. It's his choice, it's his will, it's his pleasure, and it's done by his grace. You guys, the, the Christian message, everything we teach here at K2, it's, a, it's all about grace, and grace is an undeserved gift. It's favor that God has towards us, not based on anything that we do. And that's what happens when someone gets adopted. Somebody else saw worth in them, and they chose, and it's all grace, it's all a gift, that they now become part of the family. So we are adopted by the Father. This is the greater story of our existence here on this planet. God wants you to be his child. So how does he adopt us? Number two, we're adopted through Jesus Christ. The way to adoption with the Father in heaven is through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.5 says, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Christ. So in Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven, another great passage about adoption in scripture, says when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now what does this mean? How does God adopt us through Jesus Christ? Well, here's one of the things, right? How many of you know somebody who's adopted? Anybody know, how many of you know? Almost everybody, right? We almost, almost all of us know somebody who's adopted. Amy's gonna explain later that in foster care, it's actually free. But if you know anybody else who's tried to adopt through any type of agency, it is really expensive, right? It can be, there's a high cost to adopt. But here's what's interesting. Our adoption had a high cost too. How did God adopt us through Christ? He sent his son into the world to redeem us. You guys know what the word redeem means? Redeem means you purchase something that was yours that got lost and then you purchase it and you buy it back. So literally God, there was a cost to make us his children through adoption. And, I, and the cost was Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. So God says, I want you. It's my will, it's my pleasure, my desire, more than anything, is that you become my children. But God is holy. God is light. The Bible says he is holy and in him there is no darkness at all. And so the question comes out, so what fellowship 
can light have with darkness? There's none. It can't be light and dark, so you can't have fellowship together. So, here's you and me in the darkness. We're sinning like crazy. We're doing stuff that God doesn't want us to do. And he looks at us and says, in the midst of being powerless and ungodly and a sinner in all of your darkness, I want you to be my kid. But I got a problem. I can't have fellowship with darkness. So what Jesus does, he says, so to be my child, to be in fellowship with me, you must be made holy. Now, do you guys remember what did it say? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realm with every blessing. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless so that he could have fellowship with us. So, the wages, the Bible says, when you sin, the wage, what you earn, is death. It's a separation from God and it's death. So if that's the wage, then guess what the price is for redemption? It's death. So the cost to redeem us, to make us holy, was God had to send Jesus Christ into the world to pay the price of redemption. So Jesus gives his life, the Bible says, as a ransom. It's a payment so that your price is paid. And here's what it teaches. Jesus came and while he was on the cross, he took all your sin, took it away from you, he put it into himself, and he paid the price by dying on the cross for your sin. The price of your redemption has been paid. The cost to adopt you, to take away your sin and make you holy and blameless, because Jesus takes away his sin and then he puts his righteousness in you so you are seen without blemish or without accusation. The Bible calls this, you're justified. And to be justified, it simply means that you are made righteous. And it's not by anything you have done, it's what Jesus has done for you. And now, once you receive Christ, now you are made blameless and God can go, I wanted you so bad. I wanted you so bad that I sent my son and he paid the price. Come be my kid. You and I can now have fellowship together. You are, you are adopted through Jesus Christ. Third, the adoption is made complete in the Holy Spirit. Adoption is made complete in the Holy Spirit. So God sent his son into the world to redeem us so that we can have the full right as children. Now, back in this day when it was written, as soon as you, as soon as you were adopted, and it was a legal transaction, just like it is today, it is a legal transaction. And as soon as you were adopted legally, you immediately became a child and you were an heir. You received everything. You had the full right as children. Justification is a legal transaction. It's a done deal. As soon as you put your faith in Christ, your sin goes away, he fills you with his Holy Spirit, and you're his child. You're adopted. It's a done deal. But here's what's interesting. Most children, even though they're legally adopted, even though it's a done deal, they struggle to feel like they're the child. They struggle to really know that at the depth of their being. Look at this. God has sent his son into the world to redeem you, but he sent his spirit into our heart so we could know it. Look at this verse, Galatians 4 goes on, it says, because you are his sons. So for all of you in here who are Christians, because if you've received him, and then you can know objectively, and this is so important, you've got to know. Because sometimes it, you just don't feel like, how many of you have had times where you just don't feel like God's child? Anybody ever been there? <laughs> so you need to know the objective reality that Jesus has made you a child. You are his children. So because of that, look at this, because you are, 
God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, not into the world, into our heart. It can't get more intimate than that. The spirit who calls out, who cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you're God's child, he has made you also an heir. So Jesus makes me a son whether I feel like it or not, and I need to know that. But the Spirit makes it resonate in my heart. He moves me from seeing God as only God. He moves me to Lord, right? Like, God is my Lord. He moves from Lord to becoming my Father. And then he moves me all the way from Father when the spirits really resonate in my heart, this holy, unapproachable, all-powerful, almighty God becomes my dad in here. I asked this years ago, it was so interesting to me. Can I ask you a question real quick? Just answer this for me. How many of you call your earthly father, father? How many of you call your earthly father, father? How many of you call him dad? How many of you call God Father? And how many of you call him Dad? Is that not interesting? See how far we have to go? Because when the Spirit really, when you really know the one true God, he doesn't just become this formal Father, he becomes the Dad that you know loves you. I want my kids to know that they're loved. I don't want them to just know they're my kid. I want them to know in their heart, in the deepest place, that they resonate immediately. That's my dad and he loves me. That's what God did for you. Is that not cool? See, that's the bigger story. That's why adoption matters. Because God says, you who are in the darkness, searching for your value, searching to know you are loved, messed up with all the things that are going on, I choose you out of my good pleasure. So I'm gonna send my son to legally make you my kid, and then I'm gonna send you my spirit so that in the deepest part of your being, you know you're loved by God. That's adoption, and it's unbelievable. So why is it a big deal? Because it's the bigger story. God chose us by his will and his pleasure. And as the band comes up, we're just gonna sit with this for a minute. He paid the price through Jesus Christ so that by grace we're redeemed and made holy, that we can receive adoption. And he sends his spirit into our hearts that we might know it. And that's why I think Paul in Ephesians starts off his letter by saying, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Praise be to God. He didn't leave me in the darkness. He did not leave me alone. He wanted to be right here with me. He's a good good God, and he's your dad, and you are loved. So we're just going to take, before we finish the second part of the message, we just knew that right now was the time. We got to sit with this beautiful reality of the big story of God who's your dad, who chooses you, who wants you, who would die to have you. So let's stand and let's just worship. Let's give thanks. Let's give praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is how God works. And this is how he loves the world. What he does in us by adopting us, by loving us, and by caring for us he then puts his spirit into us. And so for the orphan today, as we're gonna hear in just a second, all over the world and right here in Salt Lake City, God's plan for the orphan, you guys, is the church. It's actually us. 
So this is how he works. He goes, now I'm in you to care. And some of the scriptures in the Old Testament says the Lord your God is a God of gods and he's the Lord of lords. He's the great, mighty, and awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. A father to the, to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. So he says to us, learn to do good, to seek justice, to correct oppression, to bring justice to the fatherless, and to plead the widow's cause. In the New Testament, James chapter one, religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So how are we gonna do that as a church, K2? Amy, come on up. Amy's gonna share with us right now the practical ways of how we live out this mandate from God to care for the orphan. So here we go. Thanks. Um, one of my um, favorite authors is a guy uh, by the name of David Platt, and he's also a pastor. Some of you might have read um, a book that he wrote a few years ago that was pretty big. It was called Radical. But I was recently listening to a podcast of his, um, and I think he was speaking at a conference, and he was speaking about this very thing, about what does it mean for the church um, to care for the orphan in light of, of who we are. And he said this at the end, he said, the church absolutely must be leading the way in orphan care. It's not a negotiable. It flows from the reality of the gospel. And what I love about that is, is David Platt did not say that the church must absolutely be doing things to care for the orphan. What he says is that we must be leading the way. And with what Dave shared earlier, um, talking about our adoption in Christ, how we've been adopted and redeemed, um, in light of that, I hope that now that statement from David Platt about how we're supposed to be leading makes a whole lot of sense. It makes more sense than maybe it would have made before you came in these doors today. And so I just wanna spend um, a few moments and just share how are some ways that we can care for orphans. Um, the good news is that you don't have to go and run home today and pray about whether or not you're supposed to care for the orphan. We're all called to care. That's great news. We're all invited into this incredible privilege um, that God's offering to us. But what we do have to pray about and consider is how are we going to care? Because how I'm called to care for the orphan is gonna be different than how you're called to care and how the menings are called to care and how the person sitting next to you is called to care. But that's an awesome thing because it's so representative of the body of Christ, right? We need every part of the body to work together to care for orphans. And I'm gonna share with you um, specifically ways that we can care here in our own community. There are a hundred, I lose count. I think the recent statistic is 150 million orphans in the world, um, all across the world. And you know what? I don't care where you go to care for orphans. <laughs> a lot of people have this thing like, oh, we have to care for our own before we go overseas. And then some people are like, oh, but overseas, they have more need. Uh-uh. You go where God calls you to care. God loves every single one of those orphans, whether li they're living next door to you or they're living on the other side of the world. Um, but again, just for today, practically speaking, I wanna share about orphans that are in our own community because that is um, a question that I get asked a lot is, do we have orphans in the United States? Do we have orphanages in the US? Um, and it's kind of a yes and a no. Um, we don't really have orphanages, but we have what's called the foster care system. And kids come into the system um, not because of anything they've done, which is a misconception a lot of times, but they're removed because there is abuse or neglect in their homes, and they're removed. And um, there are about 450,000 kids across the United States who fall into that category. Here in Utah, we have about 2,500 kids that will come through the foster care system in, in any given year. And it's always the hope and the plan that, that those children are gonna be able to get to go back to their family, because that's the best thing, is if we can be with our original family. Um, but it can't always happen. 
And when it can't happen, then parental rights are terminated. Um, kids become a ward of the state. And they are legally available for adoption for free, I might add. So it is, some adoption is expensive, um, but adopting out of, out of foster care is not. Um, and so for those kids, right now, there's about 120,000 kids in the U.S. that are legally available for adoption. And then bringing it back closer to home, in Utah, we have about 550 kids that are waiting um, to be chosen by somebody to have a home. Um, and so I just want to talk a little bit about what can we do, what can you do for these kids that are right here in our own backyard. Um, the first thing, it sounds super simple, and maybe it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's, I think one of the most important things is that you can just pray. Um, you can, there's a great website, it's, it's in your program. Um, it's, it's called adoptuskids.org. It has photographs of all the kids that I've talked about nationwide, and then you can click on our state in Utah, and it'll bring up photos of the kids that are waiting for homes. And I just challenge you to do that today. Go home, and maybe it's an awesome thing. I think it would be such a great thing to do as a family, to pick out a child and commit to praying for that child on a regular basis. Pray um, that they're gonna find a home, that someone's gonna look at that picture and say, I choose you. Um, I was listening to a girl speak last year who's in Utah's foster care system. She's a teenager, and she was speaking at an event, and she said this, she said, I wake up every day wondering if someone has looked at my picture. There are seven billion people in the world. Surely one of them would want me. So, um, Take a look at that website. Go out into the lobby today. There's a table, a great organization here in town called the Adoption Exchange. Um, they are focused specifically on those 550 kids and help finding them homes. There's pictures of in the lobby. Go and put a face with a statistic. Um, another thing that you can do is, is to mentor. Um, the statistics for the kids who age out there's about 20,000 kids who age out every year have never having found a home. The statistics for those kids are not good. Dave mentioned the tra human trafficking. I've read stories where traffickers actually stand outside of social services recruiting kids because they don't have any other option. What are they gonna do? Um, only about 60% of them graduate from high school huge crime rate, huge homeless rate. And so these kids need someone to come and walk a lot alongside of them and teach them life skills that they've never taught, been taught before. But I think more importantly, they need to be, feel like they're a part of a family. Because we all need that, right? Whether we're five years old, or we're 25 years old, or we're 85 years old, we all want to be a part of a family. And I ran across the story some of you um, may have heard it, it was in the news. Um, and we have a picture of this, the story that, this, that I'm gonna share, this girl named um, Natalie Carson. And she aged out of foster care um, in the state of Colorado. She's now a college student. And she, they did a story on her because she placed an ad in Craigslist earlier this year. Um, and the ad was titled, Young Female College Student Looking to Rent a Family for Her Birthday. And she says this, this is the actual listing in, in Craigslist. She says, hi, I'm currently a young female college student looking to rent a family that I can spend time with on my birthday in a few weeks. I aged out of foster care and since I was never adopted, I don't have a family to spend the holiday or my birthday with. I was placed in foster care after being severely abused by my parents. So spending time with my biological parents is not an option. I just want one day that I can feel important and special and like I matter, even if I really don't. I'm not looking for any monetary support as I also work and I can pay you $8 an hour. Thanks in advance. I've read that story so many times and um, and yesterday, as I was even typing it out into my notes, I just thought, I don't even know what to say after I read that to you guys. Because there's just, there's no words. Like, no child should ever have to place a, an ad on Craigslist 
for an opportunity to celebrate their birthday and feel special. So there's great need. We have a program here in Utah. It's part of the Christmas Box House. It's called Journey Up. It's a mentoring program. They will pair you up with a child um, who has aged out of foster care. Some of you know Amy Rose. She goes here. Um, she has been a mentor. You could talk to her about what it's been like. Um, but maybe that is something that God is calling to you, calling you to do, is to um, step alongside of, of one of these kids that um, so desperately need it. Um, Really quick, the next thing you can do is speak up for them, be a voice for them. There's a program called CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocate. You don't have to have any type of a social work background, but you will go through training. I don't have time to explain it all, um, but you will work with a child as they are in the foster care system. And um, there is, I have a table in the lobby, and so I have information on all of these different things that you can come out and get um, after I'm done. Um, one of the next things you can do is you can volunteer um, to work at a camp for kids in foster care. We have two of them here called Royal Family Kids Camp. And um, I think we have a few pictures from it. I um, went as a counselor a couple years ago. It's hard, we can't show pictures of their faces because they're in foster care, so it's, we don't have the best pictures. But um, it's a week-long camp, and it is like the biggest blast you've ever had in your entire life. You come home absolutely exhausted but it is so fun. It's all about them, letting them be a kid. And one of the things that we do um, is we, we have a day where we celebrate everyone's birthday because that might be the only time that they're ever going to open up a card or get to blow out a candle. Um, if that's something, we would love to have you join us. Um, it's a great thing for young teenagers. I think you have to be 14 or older. Um, it's a week-long sleep away. It's just a blast. So again, I have more information on that. And then um, the last thing is consider becoming a foster parent. Um, yes, we do need families for those 550 kids who are legally available for adoption, but we also just need people who are like, I just want to be a good family for a kid in hopes that they're going to get to go back to their family, right? Um, I have some friends who do this. This is their ministry as a family, and they call it redemptive hospitality. Um, and I just love that. And I remember a story that Tammy Holm, who is the director of our kids program, told me one day, um, she had gone a couple years ago to have a meeting at Utah, Utah Foster Care Foundation, which, by the way, is on the other side of the freeway from here. Very close and convenient. Um, but she went over there to have a meeting to talk about the Chosen Marathon. And the guy that she was meeting with said, you know, our best families are families that come from faith communities. And he paused and he said, but we just don't know how to find them. And that absolutely tears my heart out because I think they're, they're looking for us. They can't find us and they're looking for us. And it should be the exact opposite, right? We should be pounding down their door saying, how can we serve you? How can we love these kids? Because guess what? These are our kids and we've been commanded to care for them. So consider being a foster parent. Um, just to close, you also have a little tear-off on the bottom, and I just noticed in the last service that we forgot to put a, a place for you to put your name and a contact, so if, if you turn that in, go ahead and, and do that. But there's just some things that you can check off that I wanna make you aware of. Um, and one of it is I would love to challenge you guys who are in um, a Life Together group um, to set aside six weeks and go through um, a great study that a friend of mine, Jason Johnson, wrote, and it's called All In Orphan Care. Just six weeks, everything is here for you. You don't have to do any prep. Do it together. Find out what God might have for you and even what he might have for your small group, for your Life Together group to do um, together to serve. So that's just one thing we have available. Um, the next thing is, I don't have the sheet, and I did this last time. What's the next thing on the list? Someone shout it out. Orphan Care 101. So I'm going to be teaching a class that's a part of our K2U um, in the spring called Orphan Care 101, and we're just going to dive deeper into um, what's been talked about today. And so if you have this inkling of, man, I want to do something, but I'm not really sure what, this is a great class to take. Um, and we're also going to just talk about 
while adoption is an amazing, beautiful thing, it's also, it comes out of loss. Um, and it's hard also. And so we're going to talk about those realities before you really step into it. Um, what do I need to know? What do I need to be prepared for? So that's an option. The third option is consider um, serving a foster or adoptive family. They need so much help to, to really, um, you know, be successful at that. I, I read recently that um, half of all foster parents quit within one year of their first placement. And I think there's a lot of different reasons, but I really think that one of the huge reasons is that they just don't have support. And so I just want to show you a really quick little graphic and it just shows how you can come around an adoptive um, or foster family. You can pray, you can do practical things like them. I have friends that had a retired neighbor who grocery shopped for an entire year for them after they had adopted. Um, lawn care, meals. I talked to a girl recently, they just had a baby come into their home and nobody brought them a meal. Um, these are great practical ways that you can serve. If you don't feel led to bring a child into your home, come around and serve a family who does. Um, and then lastly, I think there's just something on the bottom too that says we would just love to know if you have already adopted or fostered, let us know because I, I hear all the time about people, you know, at K2 who have adopted and I'm like, I've never, I don't know the person, you know, we're, we're, we're a big place. And so we would just to love to know who you are so we can support you, but maybe also so we could connect you with maybe someone who's thinking about doing the same thing that you've done, and maybe you can kind of walk alongside them or give them encouragement um, and advice in the journey. So those, I just really scratched the surface on different ways you can care. Um, I would love to talk to any of you. I'm gonna be out um, at a table in the lobby. Um, I'm here to serve you, talk with you. Um, brainstorm ideas about how you might be called to care. So um, I just want to pray for you guys um, as we close out um, this section. Jesus, thank you. Daddy, thank you um, that you sought us out uh, when we were lost and we had nothing to give, that you came for us and that you chose us. Um, and that you find, you found and do find great delight in us in being your children. And Father, I pray for every person that's sitting here today. God, you know them. You know exactly how you're going to use them um, to care for the orphan. And so I just pray that they would leave here today with um, eyes wide open and ears wide open to hear maybe something that they didn't even plan on. Um, that you would just speak clearly, God, and that you would, um, that you would order their next steps and for what that's to look like. We love you. Um, we thank you for this great privilege that you are, have invited us into. Um, and we thank you that you love and care for the orphan um, a million times more than we do and ever could. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.